the hope is that those those first women who dare to transgress into those male spaces mm-hmm. and are confronted with you know the very vertical hierarchy but as they start to uh, collaborate with each other they can start to break apart that as business as usual mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that the hierarchy is the only way that power can be uh, can be affected. I mean, power can be shared right. every bit as much as it can be wielded yeah. over. And I think that's a really important thing that women can bring to mm-hmm. all of these conversations. Yeah. You're listening to Don't Repeat This, the show where we talk about the stuff you're not supposed to bring up at the dinner table. I'm Nate, and today we're continuing last week's conversation, The Future is Female. This episode picks up right where the last one left off, so be sure to listen to that one before diving into this one. And as a reminder, my guests for this conversation were Kelly Prodojevich, a nurse and theologian, Reverend Ann Rolowski, the senior pastor at First Congregational Church of Montclair, New Jersey, Dee Gonzalez, a state government official and former football player, and Shelley Picard, the deputy commissioner of the NWHL, who at the time of our conversation was a professional hockey player and former Olympian. Anyway, here's part two. Dee, you had mentioned um, the value of women. Let's go even deeper into that because <laughs> here we go. Um, Shelley, you know, you had just shared about um, about USA Hockey, which you're not involved with currently, now playing professionally. Um, so shifting over to professional sports. Um, now, before we go to professional sports, let's just talk overall wage gap Um in general, according to the Census Bureau and Labor Department data, um, we're seeing a gender pay difference um, among white between white women and white men um, of roughly seventy nine cents every dollar. If we factor in minorities, we're looking at around sixty. Um, I did the math between last night and tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so proud of you, Nate. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, we're looking a, a, a wage gap of around. 55 to 60 cents to every dollar. However, the highest NWHL salary um, was $7,000 last season, um, compared to the highest NHL salary of $13.8 million last season, which is absolutely absurd. Um, Now, if we break that down per game, uh, we're looking at around $168,293 per regular season game in the NHL versus $437.50 per regular season game in the NWHL. Um, now, you know, because the women do play fewer games than men, so of course we got to do that with the math. Um, there are certainly myriad contributing factors here, both related and unrelated to gender bias. Um, but the difference, which is three-tenths of a penny to every dollar, is absolutely staggering. Um, do you... Do you have any thoughts as far as reasons for this? Um, and uh, while while the challenge does seem insurmountable, I feel like there has to be some solutions, right? Um, what what are some things that we as fans, um, athletes, other participants in sports, um, what, what are some things that we could do to, to help kind of overcome this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started off by saying last night, too, that I think – what men get paid to play professional sports, regardless of sport, is pretty ridi- yes. r- pretty ridiculous yes. um, on the on the other end. And so, um, and a lot of that is uh, is marketing and the yeah. amount that they can make because of all these different you know TVs and ads and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And so, um, and we're not there as a right. as a women's professional league. Uh, we don't have our games aren't televised. Um, this year we had an amazing deal with Twitter that they that they live streamed uh, a game a weekend. Um, and, and things are growing, but pe- most people just don't know about our league. Whenever I talk about it, they're like, oh, I had no idea that there was a women's professional league, and, and they're super excited about it. Um, but, again, it's just it's just not out there. Um, and I think – so I, I talked a little bit about, you know, that's on our end as, as players, just talking more about it and getting ourselves out there and, and doing a lot of the legwork because no one's going to do it for us, mm-hmm. um, as we've all talked about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also – going with that is so there's the model with the uh nba and wmba the nba like fully supports wmba and sort of has made it um as far as i know maybe i'm misspeaking but uh has made it uh, <laughs> um kind of a partner league yes right? somewhat of a partnership and, and just more sustainable yeah. sustainable is the word i'm looking for um and right now we don't have that sort of 
uh, official relationship right. with NHL. Yeah. Um, each individual teams have different partnerships. Mm-hmm. Like so, we're with the Devils, and they help us out, and I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Buffalo Sabers um, and our Buffalo Buttes team uh, worked together. There's an incredible partnership there. Um, but, but outside of that, due to the fact that, and then just some like women's hockey history yeah. uh, for those who are interested. Um, <laughs> There, there are two competing right. women's hockey leagues. Um, there's one in Canada, primarily in Can- based mm-hmm. in Canada, and then one in America. So um, the the NHL at large is kind of reluctant right. to uh, to partner up with either one. They kind of want to see it all play out mm-hmm. first, right? Mm-hmm. Which which absolutely makes sense. And, and the Canadian Women's Hockey League is amazing, and uh, those teams are incredible we'd love to play against them and in in any capacity whether that means just for the playoffs or we understand that travel and thing like there are big hurdles with that um we hope soon that um our two sort of um commissioners can come to some sort of agreement and because i think that's where we can have a more sustainable Mm -hmm. league and 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 real really work together to to minimize that huge that gap that you're talking about yeah and i think just as a fan um something that i I love, and I know, like, you have that sort of sheepish grin when I when I bring it up, but, like, um, getting involved in the games, showing up, and buying the players' jerseys. Yeah. Um, so, and correct me if I'm wrong, you get something from jersey sales, even, like, if it's a... <laughs> yeah, we mm. get a percentage okay. of whenever you buy a shirt or a jersey that has our name on mm-hmm. it. Um, All right, so I won't, I won't give my, <laughs> I won't give my, la- any riveter, any, yeah. any butte, any pride yeah. player. Pick your, if you have a favorite player and you are able to, um, buy a jersey, then, uh, please do. And if you've got daughters, please bring them, or even son. Like, I think it's really important too for mm-hmm. sons to, yeah. to see yep. women playing yep. sport or see women in any sort, like, uh, just go to professional sports, soccer, basketball, yeah. um, for all and or even if you're just even if you're a hockey nerd and but you've only seen the NHL like go to a go to a WMB uh, WMB <laughs> <laughs> you can go to a WMB they need props too yeah. they need props yeah. too yeah. the purpose but there's pay in- yeah. there's pay inequity there too right. <laughs> Just, um, even if you've never gone to a women's uh, sporting event, try it out. Yes. I, you'll be you'll be surprised. You'll at first be yeah. surprised, and then as I was talking about. I hope you get to this. You expect the same type of competitive mm-hmm. play that mm-hmm. that you see on the men's side, and um, and and hopefully you'll you'll keep coming back. Yeah. And the tickets are cheaper. Yeah. So. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I gotta say um, that the game-winning goal <laughs> that Alexa Grushow scored in your championship game. My roommate, um, by the way. Oh, that was your roommate. <laughs> oh, that's anyway, awesome. Sorry. So yeah, absolute shout out to her. That. Uh, uh, hands down the best game winning goal i've seen in any kind of playoff or mm. tournament it was look it up on youtube it's, <laughs> it like you it, and you don't even know like i was watching it i'm like is that even physically possible i can't i the only thing that comes close was bobby orr's little mm. post um Post goal flying moment, but that was yeah. after he scored right. the goal. Yeah, she did that. Caught the. Wow. I'm, gonna des- I'm gonna describe it right now. She. Um, <laughs> he is yeah, I am totally <laughs> nerding out right now. <laughs> Ryan is gonna yeah. be rolling oh, his eyes he when he hears this. <laughs> yeah, she um, in midair after like after getting her legs swept out from under her, she's in midair. Somehow has the wherewithal to capture the puck while she's flying and go top shelf with that thing mm-hmm. just mind blowing <laughs> it was the only goal scored in that game and it was still the most exciting game i've seen okay, in women's hockey it was just have to send this this <laughs> yeah yeah look it up yeah. on youtube um mm-hmm. metropolitan riveters 2018 isabel cup you could use those search terms it mm-hmm. it's just wild awesome yeah so um and one final geek out moment do you you were the last person to touch the puck in, in that game. <laughs> it was like, a, a, but a testament to the type of game that, that Shelly played. So Shelly's not like the stats girl, um, oh, no, no. but her presence is constantly felt. Nobody gets past that blue line. Like mm. she, she owns that space. And every like I listen to other women's hockey podcasts. I'm such a nerd. Um, really? Yeah. And uh, they talk about you um, in those terms because it's like your your contribution to your team is um, it's sort of the intangibles, um, and it like it's such a testament to the type of game that you play that all the way even up to the final horn, you are still 
after that puck. And you were like, nope, nobody's touching this thing. I'm not letting Buffalo anywhere near it until I know this game is done. <laughs> so, Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Can you just ask your question again? Because um, you said something and I was like, you asked, oh, what yeah. can we do? Yeah. What they, so, like, um, what are some ways that we as, as sports fans, athletes, other participants, um, what are some ways that we can work to overcome, uh, to overcome this? Um, I just wanted to bring attention to the wage gap and issues uh, with equal pay for equal work that happens across every sector, oh, like yeah. not just sports. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and in sports, it's like yeah. eg- especially yeah. egregious yeah. just because yeah. they're getting – Millions and millions and millions of dollars to, you know, in a fraction for mm-hmm. women. Um, and uh, but as far as like offering solutions and and hope, um, the state of New Jersey um, recently, um, a c- few months ago, passed, um, signed into law the Diane B. Allen Equal Pay Act, uh, which amends the New Jersey law against uh, discrimination to provide enhanced equal pay protections for New Jersey employees. This was just signed by our new governor, Governor wow. Phil Murphy, and it goes, it's effective July 1st, um, so just okay. this month, and it prohibits uh, pay disparities based upon characteristics, uh, so protected classes mm-hmm. like uh, race, creed, color, national origin, nationality, ancestry, age, and sex. Mm. Um, so it's basically making practices, um, you know, unlawful um that that would create pay disparities so for example just to give you an example if you're going to apply for a job and you start to the you have you ever been asked that question um what were you earning at your previous job or um and you have to put okay well i was earning thirty five thousand dollars but this employer has like fifty five thousand dollars to pay you it's like instead of paying you 55 i can pay you you know 36 mm. <laughs> or 40 and i'm gonna save money and that's kind of those practices is what perpetuates right. cycles right. of of yeah. pay inequity so mm-hmm. women you know with uh, a master's degree um or even a, a terminal degree will still earn less um than their male counterparts um with the same credential um so yeah. you know laws like this and when um, you know men in power use their uh, privilege um, to sort of say, "Hey, this is not okay," and I don't know who at the the U.S. you know Hockey Association or uh, you know in these top levels were saying, "Okay, what was the breaking moment?" But when people in power um, mm-hmm. start to care um, about those that lack power, um, that's how you use privilege to sort of help people. Um, mm. that lack yeah. um, and to bring them up yeah. and to establish equality. So, yeah. And that's perfect. Um, so one of our brew theologians, uh, Giovanni, um, his question, which I think you just answered, um, is what would you say to your male counterparts mm. um, in your respective field regarding the wage gap? Mm. Um, and that, that answers the question right mm-hmm. there. You can mm-hmm. always yeah. make a difference. Oh, absolutely. And whether you're in, you know, HR hiring practices um, or you're in certain committees, when you're at a decision-making table, or even a, I don't care if it's a Bible study, church group, um, athletic group, your even your 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 pickup football league, like who's not at the table, right? Mm. Who's not question. at your your who's not on your team? Like I've played intramural sports, like post my time in 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 the IWFL, and you know leagues that have rules that have a, a quota that you have to have like X amount of women um, on your, your team. I think, you know, out of seven players, you have to have at least, I don't know, three, you know, or like, yeah. Kelly's like one, at least one <laughs> yeah. or two, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, three is pretty high, especially when you're, you know, you struggle with um, sort of persistence and women in sports mm-hmm. and um, three is high. And then every, um, um, every four downs, uh, or I'm sorry, or every three or something, a woman has to QB. Like that's, those kinds of rules Mm -hmm. really address putting women at the plate or women, giving women, you know, the opportunity Mm -hmm. to really show up and actually making it mandatory for guys to say, okay, I'm going to go through my phone book and get women to play. (laughs) Right. I mean, and I think that's what's, 
you know, we ask about what, what can be done. And, and the reality, and we've talked a lot about exhaustion here, right? We've talked about how hard it can be to constantly be fighting this fight yeah. alone or just with the rest of us who are also exhausted. I think for those um, male allies out there who see this as a problem, who see wage inequity as a problem, who see discrimination in, in various fields as a problem, um, there is something they can do because that position of privilege uh, is so powerful to be able to, you know, fr- from your place where it's really no skin off your nose, right? What's happening with the women, but for you to to demonstrate that that this matters to you as a human being, mm-hmm. right? As someone with a conscience, as someone someone with a sense of justice, um, that's a very powerful thing. And I think in some ways, it is going to take male allies to disrupt the system. Mm-hmm. Um, n- you know, not that we don't have the skill, the stamina, the depth, the intellect, all of those things to do it. But all of that doesn't mean we can be heard. Right. If the, if the patriarchy doesn't want to hear it. And so that's what makes patriarchy patriarchy. Um, so for that to be disrupted, we do need male allies. Yeah. You know, and I think so when when men are able to step into those spaces and say, look, s- there's a lot of people not at this table mm-hmm. and we need to make an effort to get them yeah. there. It's a powerful thing. Oh, it is. It is. And then again, um, tapping into that sense of intersectionality, mm-hmm. any um, voice that isn't heard, Absolutely. the people who are heard need to step right. up. That's it. That's what allyship is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's so powerful. So, D, um, for you, this was a question we didn't get to last night, but I wanted to kind of um, direct this one at you. Know, I, thought, I think it's incredibly relevant now. Um, so in the months leading up to this midterm election, um, and if you're listening to this really late, 2018 is the year we're talking about this. Um, <laughs> um, so in the months leading up to this midterm election in 2018, uh, the number of women running for elected office has skyrocketed. However, the fact remains that despite the nation being comprised of over 51% women, female representation in Congress remains less than 20%. In 2012, the U.S. ranked 78th worldwide in female representation in politics. Uh, Nordic regions, um, so the countries like Denmark, Sweden, Iceland, Finland, etc., um, they led the world with around 45% um, representation. Um, how do you think gender stereotypes have contributed to these abysmal numbers in this country? Ooh, I got the easy <laughs> question tonight. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, so I want to start with uh, two things. One, um, the lack of representation of women is universal in mm-hmm. leadership from corporate boards, nonprofit mm-hmm. boards, college presidency, um, CEOs of, you know, fortune five hundreds, one hundreds, whatever it is, severely underrepresented um, in STEM fields. That's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. It's, it's, uh, and <laughs> athletics, as we've learned tonight. Um, it's everywhere, and especially in politics. Um, New Jersey's, um, of New Jersey's 12 uh, Congress- uh, members in the congressional delegation, one is a woman at this moment, Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman, and, uh, and she's a woman of color, which is incredibly yeah. exciting. Um, but for a state that has you know, more than 50, 51% of women, uh, you don't have women speaking mm-hmm. um, at the, the, in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then this, number two, I just wanted to do a quick shout out uh, to my homegirl, um, Ashley Bennett, um, who is a freeholder in Atlantic County. Um, I actually helped run her campaign. And she... Uh, she is a Democrat um, in the freeholder seat that was challenged. Uh, she was the challenger to a Republican incumbent um, who at and shameless plug. Uh, he was at the Women's March um, in D.C. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, he commented on the Women's March in D.C. with a Facebook meme um, that said, uh, will the Women's March be over already for them to cook dinner? Um, that was that guy. I saw that. Yep. <laughs> oh, every like, yeah. oh, every cell in my body was like, I, really? oh yeah. yeah, really, yeah. What oh, year were Ashley you born was in? on uh, <laughs> national television. <laughs> 
So she's my homegirl from college, and um, I helped run her campaign when nobody thought she would win in a predominantly uh, Republican um, district um, that supported uh, Donald Trump for the presidency at the time. And um, it it was, as a woman of color, one, a woman, two, a woman of color, um, uh, an African-American woman, she was challenging you know, this misogynistic narrative. (laughs) And it's like she had no chance of women winning. And she did because she showed up. Mm -hmm. She ran. She went in. So um, to answer your question, it's it's scary. Mm -hmm. It's really scary when you are often the only woman Mm -hmm. in in those spaces. Again, just like many other spaces, right? Um, but especially in politics when yeah. it's very uh, transactional and mm-hmm. very male-dominated and it's a boys' club and it's like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't want to get all Jersey, but it's like, hey, Vinny, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and Vinny talking yeah. to Johnny and, and here comes Ashley, you know, yeah. it's like, all right, let's talk justice, you know. Do you think, too, it's also the structures that are in place. It is a hierarchy and you're asking women yep. to perform yes. in a hierarchy mm-hmm. where... Yeah. Listen to the way we're talking now. We're all gaining knowledge one from each other and a sharing. No one has to be the boss in charge of the knowledge today. We're better off to share it. Um, Much how women work and lead families. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more of a sharing and a cooperative. And that's not the leadership. Our structures do not allow for that kind of leadership. As a nurse, I have to be the supervisor. I have to be in charge. I rule over. And that's the structure I have to try and work in. I often call myself as a nursing supervisor, they call me the soup. And I would say that 90% of my work, I'm the soup, I'm the supporter. Mm. A good 5%, mm. I'm the soup. I should be warm and comforting to support my staff mm. and be there for you. Yeah. And don't make me be the supervisor. Because yeah. I don't like it. I don't like that role. I have perfectly competent nurses. And now that there's more male nurses coming up, mm. they are getting the leadership roles because mm. they're comfortable in the hierarchy. Yeah. Whereas my women who are better nurses than I will not take those roles. Mm. So research shows that actually women are much more collaborative in their approach Mm -hmm. and And relational precisely Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so when you have a system just like you said that functions in a certain hierarchy or leadership there's this ladder right and there's rungs and the only way is if you're perceived in a certain way which is being strong as opposed to this dance is circular which is you know and and I, i i think though that the hope is that um Again, those those first women who dare to transgress into those male spaces mm-hmm. and are confronted with, you know, the very vertical hierarchy, but as they start to uh, collaborate with each other, they can start to break apart that as business as usual, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That the hierarchy is the only way that power can be. Uh, can be affected. I mean, power can be shared right. every bit as much as it can be wielded yeah. over. And I think that's a really important thing that women can bring to all mm-hmm. of these conversations. Yeah. Um, and certainly, you know, in my in my background, um, you know, as a little Catholic girl, that the, the priest had a very authoritative, above it all, mm-hmm. you know, persona. Yeah. Um, it was God. You know, it was, you know, Father Brady, and and then it was the rest of us. And uh, Father Brady is a made-up name. Um, I'm not, not impugning oh. anyone in particular. Father Brady um, sounds a bit Irish. Yeah, well. <laughs> Where there, does he live? There you go. There you go. But, but I think that as women break into these different fields, that's where we can start to change that dynamic. And it is small mm. steps. Yeah. And I think that you know, we've joked a lot about the exhaustion, right? right, that comes from always being the one that's, that's breaking into the new space or, or, or butting our heads up against a wall. But I also do think we can, if we look at the, that moral arc of the universe, right, mm. that's long but bends towards justice, I think we can see that things are changing. Structures mm-hmm. are changing. Understanding what power effectively wielded is, is changing. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something to be hopeful for. Yeah. It's not happening fast enough. It's not happening broad enough. But it is happening. Mm-hmm. And I think there can be there can be those you know, small bricks, small bricks, small bricks. And all of a sudden, you've got this really powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you know, yeah. something that we do need to celebrate together oh, yeah. as women. Because otherwise, we really do get kind of 
exhausted and demoralized. But I think we have to celebrate the victories where they where we do see them mm-hmm. because they're real. They're I there. have I have a question. So you asked about you know sort of female or representation of women in in politics or positions of leadership. I'm curious how people in your congregation. Um, or in the church community, in the, the religious community, view, um, you know, a woman leader, um, especially in traditional spaces where, like, women are not supposed to lead. Yeah. Um, how comfortable, I wonder, men are, if at all, to follow <laughs> a woman's leadership? And because clearly in the, the political space or the corporate space or the nonprofit space, public sector, whatever it is, they're not. Yeah, yeah, I... I am going to give a shout out to my congregation because they are remarkable. Um, I'll oh, just give you a little demo. De- yes, <laughs> I'm a new part of Nate's this congregation. A, Nate's a, Nate's a newbie in the fans. congregation, so there you go. But you know, just a little demographic snapshot. So you know, once upon a time, my congregation um, was sort of 95, 98 percent white, um, relatively affluent, straight congregation. Um, today we are 40% people of color and 40% LGBTQ and some of that overlaps, but some of it doesn't. So we are kind of a remarkable little, I would like to say corner of the kingdom of God, Mm -hmm. um, in that we just kind of represent humanity at its most marvelous Mm -hmm. in, in some, or fabulous Mm -hmm. in, in many cases, um, as the case may be. But, but I think that, so I'm very spoiled because, uh, my leadership is, is completely embraced, Mm -hmm. um, by by everyone across the spectrum. I mean, frankly, we have an enormous rainbow flag outside our church. We have a sign that says Jesus didn't turn people away, neither do you, neither do we, and a giant banner that says no human being is illegal. If you don't know what you're getting into when you walk into our church, you have not been paying attention. That's right. So so I have to say we are an unusual congregation. I like to think we're the future, frankly, of the yeah. church. Um but I but I think that in all walks of life, if you are used to being the majority, if you're used to being the power broker, mm-hmm. it takes a tremendous amount of of kind of groundedness, comfort in your own skin, mm-hmm. and confidence in your self-worth to be able to relinquish that sort of societally given power. And there are a number of men that can do that mm-hmm. um, and that do do that. I'm married to one, thank goodness. <laughs> um, but I, I think that... Um, You know, part of it, Diana, is really just not apologizing for the leadership that we have, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're so good at apologizing, right? We're so good at sort of making ourselves smaller so that everyone else is more comfortable with women in leadership. And I think we just have to own it and we just have to claim it Mm -hmm. and we just have to be comfortable in it. And other people will respond because I think the most important thing about a leader is that they believe in themselves and their skills mm. and, and what they have to offer. Yeah. And no matter what shape package that's in, that's something that's inspiring to people. Yeah. So there is, you know, there can be these hurdles, right, that we have to break through. Um, we've seen the body language in the room where we know that we've got a bigger job than the man next to us who's saying the very same thing. But I think if we can just, I mean, each of us around this table have reached a certain place in our lives because we know that we are that we are our authentic selves yeah. um, and I think that we just never have to lose sight of that yeah. and, and eventually the world catches up I am coming on <laughs> Sunday <laughs> oh, no 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 you're watching Wait. the World Cup I am <laughs> the World Cup Sunday <laughs> And we talked about this. Jesus would understand. Jesus would understand. He, he truly would. He truly would. I'm not going to tell you who he'd root for, but he would. <laughs> um, so real quick, I did want to um, – so this is a, a question that is unnamed, um, but I think, again, I feel like we're answering the questions before they're asked. Um, but I do want to want to put these thing. questions out there yeah. um, because people wrote them, yeah. and uh, I want to give them voice. But so, when it comes to breaking societal norms and gender roles, uh, what would you recommend to a man who has difficulty finding his place and role in a world mm. that he doesn't quite fit into? Mm. Um, and I think you you said it like allyship, um, being yeah. comfortable in your own skin, um, and yeah. that from yeah, just I mean, from oh go go ahead. I was just going to say there's a, a marvelous definition of privilege that I think is so you know for me it was just mind-blowing but it says that when equality for someone else feels like a punishment to you you are privileged so i think it's sort of recognizing that um you know folks the world is not a pie you know there's not there's not you know i get my piece you get less right there is enough access to what the world has to offer 
right? Mm. There is enough. It's this myth of scarcity mm. that is inbred in, 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 frankly, a capitalist society, right? Because it's kind of a zero-sum game kind of thing. Um, so I, I, I think that one of the things to try and, and debunk is this myth that if I get my share, you have to get less. There, it, it, there is more than enough to go around, and there is more than enough power to go around. We can share it. Mm-hmm. If I, if I, you know, gain in my career, and I find myself in a position where I can affect change or that I have some kind of authority, it doesn't take away from yours mm-hmm. as a man. Um, and again, it's that collaborative model yeah. versus the hierarchical model. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it. You just kind of, I just kind of want to look at the men in my life who I love. Um, even in the men in my life who I who I don't know well enough to love, but mm-hmm. that that I that I see the potential in is don't be frightened yeah. of a woman in power. Yeah. You know, recognize that there it can be magnified instead of diminished by that. Mm-hmm. So. so something. Oh gosh, hang on. Let's pause for a moment on that because that like <laughs> fed my soul. Yes, <laughs> oh. I'm um, here. I'm like. <laughs> This is amazing. Was, uh, and you get equal pay. And you get equal pay. <laughs> we all get equal <laughs> pay. <laughs> um, so, D, you had been talking about it, but it was as I'm flipping through the cards, I noticed there was another question that you kind of addressed earlier as well. Yeah. Um, Josh, one of our um, new, brew, brew, new brew theologians, um, asked... Um, uh, let's see. Um, even though most of our panel is white, so no offense, um, but do you have any thoughts on representation of women of color um, and the additional challenges um, and oppression that they face? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and here we go. One thousand percent. So um, I'm going to start with checking my privilege, mm-hmm. um, an exercise that I really encourage a lot of people um, to do. Um, you can... You know, YouTube this, Google this, um, checking my privilege exercises and videos um, that do activities where you kind of learn about, you know, exactly what you were just sharing about of of what does privilege look like. And it's not just gender and sex based. Um, it's not just racial as do. It's also your sexual orientation, your socioeconomics, mm-hmm. your marital status um, as a person that's married um, and, and in a heterosexual marriage, mm-hmm. um, you carry a lot of privilege because, you know, you're in conversations with a lot of people like talking about, oh, yeah, my wife and my husband. Um, oh, yeah, we're taking the kids up to so and so place. So that's like an intersection with socioeconomics and you know, um, heterosexual privilege. So there's so much impact, like ability or disability. Um, there's so much that's unseen and unspoken. Um, so I will start with like I I didn't grow up poor, just by virtue of of growing up with all my needs met. Mm. I have a different narrative um, as a w- woman who presents like phenotypically. I have traits that are considered you know Eurocentric um, from my nose, my height, my appearance. So I walk into spaces differently. Than, you know, um, my my friend does who as as an African American woman, um, when she's pulled over by the um, a police officer, she has an app on her phone um, that activates a recording, so it starts to record, and I think the feature immediately uh, calls her husband, like a primary emergency contact, and so husband is on the line. Um, it's recording officer is there at her window asks for her license and registration and she gives you know um, the caveat it's like officer my wallet is long and it's black Mm -hmm. and as it's like I'm just gonna go reach for my wallet it's like yes ma'am so imagine and and mind you she also i remember she was working in texas at the time when the issue when uh, sandra bland cl- uh, case occurred mm-hmm. um so that really hit home for her so what is life like what is what is just being pulled over by the police mm-hmm. for 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 a benign infraction right like like you know you tail lights out. <laughs> out something totally not even a big deal right, right. and but you are already fearing for your life. 
you're already in a completely different mindset because of not just what you look like, but what people treat, you know, what people treat people that you look like. I'm sorry, I'm not saying that right. (laughs) What people treat, um, how people treat people that look like you. Like, and um, so it makes me think, holy crap, there's a whole lot of more baggage that I could be carrying if I looked different or if I loved someone different or if, you know, so, and I don't need to be a black woman to understand that or to even just think about it and dwell in it for a second, right? I just, I can be me and you can be a dude and you can be straight and you could be cisgender and sit and just think for a second What's it like to be disliked, hated, or immediately dis- you have your resume dismissed because your last name is uh, Mohammed uh, Velasquez Chung? Think about it. Mm. Like, think about it. That That's real. Yeah. So I think um, if I were to have, like, one major takeaway for our listeners, it would be start to get comfortable with the uncomfortable Mm -hmm. absolutely talking about sexism talking about racism talking about prejudice and those things that we don't want to be associated with reality check we're all guilty Mm -hmm. we are all guilty of bias it's called implicit bias you can google that too (laughs) (laughs) and just start getting comfortable with something that's so innate and human in human traits Mm. that it's um, we're all guilty so now what do we do Mm. to make it better yeah and I think we talk about it. I mean, two two yep. amazing philosophers, one James Baldwin, one Mr. Rogers, um, both said something very similar. You know, James Baldwin said, if we can't talk about something, we can't fix something. Mm. Right. So as he was talking about naming, you know, the, the toxic racism, you know, of his era, which has not gone away. It is lessened. It's different. I mean, we're not living in the 1950s and 60s. And that's a good thing. Again, celebrate the victories mm-hmm. that we can celebrate. But it's real and it's here. And if we can't talk about it, we can't begin to really address it. Mm. And with Mr. Rogers, one of the things that he has said is if it's mentionable, it's manageable. So whatever issues you are carrying, if you can put them into words, if we can name these things with each other, we can learn to manage them. You know, and those are sort of the, again, the hopeful small steps that we can take. And I do think it is, you know, being a a person of of tremendous privilege in in many, many respects, you know, it, it is a conscious effort to become, number one, aware of it, and number two, be willing to to check it. You know, and, 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 you know, if we think that's a bit exhausting, imagine living mm. with it oh, yeah. as that person of color, mm-hmm. as that person with less privilege. So it's a, it's a fraction of what um, our brothers and sisters are going mm-hmm. through. Yeah, totally. Um, anything else? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears a little bit here. Um, did you want to add anything? No, no, no. <laughs> I, Kelly? Oh yeah. Um, well, can I add? One, go for it. Yeah. One piece. Um, so, I'm a daughter of Cuban exiles, and it's it's interesting because by virtue of being born here, my experience is so different um, than what my parents went through. Um, and as any immigrant, um, I can't talk enough of how proud I am to be a daughter of immigrants yeah. and and for folks that migrate to a new country and I was an immigrant and I was an alien in a foreign country when I lived in Japan for many years and it's so important to show love and compassion mm. if I can just bring it back to like Jesus for one second mm. <laughs> <laughs> one maybe he's welcome around yeah the right table. yeah <laughs> and one of the things that I love or have learned about my Christian identity and faith and what I want to want to be centered of my faith is acceptance. Mm. I truly see acceptance as a sign of, of true love. Mm. 
because I think God accepts us as we are. And as he spoke to the woman at the well and, and spoke to women as he would speak to a man <laughs> and, and addressed equally in the same accepting with love and compassion and seeing you are like me, you are no different and you deserve mm. dignity, mm-hmm. compassion, equality, just as I do. And I think that's a really good starting point to yeah. start with love, acceptance, mm-hmm. compassion, and the fact that we have to write laws yeah. <laughs> to sort of put that into place um, is very telling about our nature mm-hmm. and what we default to and what we mm-hmm. have a right. bad yeah. tendency to go to. But it's a really good reminder mm-hmm. as a really good starting point. Yeah. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit. Um, there's a book by Colette Dowling um, called The Frailty Myth. Um, she uncovers some evidence that um, essentially uh, there's very little physical difference between um, boys and girls in their bodies. The, the issue is that girls are trained before starting school to not use their bodies to their full potential. Um, in fact, studies have shown that it appears strength and physical skill for women are simply a matter of education and training. Um, so relating to athletic competition, um, how does this change perception? Uh, Hmm. do you have any thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm, I think confused first. So saying like, if, if, if there weren't these preconceived notions of how a girl should act at a young age, if like, if everything were equal right from the beginning, then physical capabilities and strength and speed and all that would be mm-hmm. not as big as they are. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and I know, I feel like I, I threw a little bit so of a curveball. So this is arguing so. for socialization being more powerful than sort of biological, yeah. right? Yeah, right, that right. the differences between men's bodies and women's bodies are... You said it as a, at a young age, mm-hmm. but I mean, again, and I am no expert on this at all, but, you know, once sort of puberty hits and the hormones kick in, yeah. you know, testosterone has <laughs> yeah. a, a very strong, <laughs> you know, muscle building component, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, again, I, I think that, and I don't, I've not read this book, so mm-hmm. I don't, I don't kind of know her larger thesis that she's arguing, but I think one of the traps we fall into is, is, Seeing the differences between female strength, mm. agility, speed, and the differences between male strength, agility, and speed as uh, value different, mm-hmm. you know, as, oh, yeah. right. So to me, I just kind of want to like blow out yeah. that paradigm yeah. and say, so different, okay, yeah. right? Not unequal, mm-hmm. different, mm. you know, yeah. different level, you know, different, different ways. I mean, you, you were talking last night a little bit about how amazed some first time, mm-hmm. you know, attendees at your games are like, my gosh, you guys, you know, it, you know, the way you play the game, the skill, the, the nuances, the strategies, the, all this stuff, it's, it's amazing, mm-hmm. you know? So, so I, I think we have to take it a step further and say, you know, it's really okay that feminine strengths, the things that are uniquely mm-hmm. sort of ours as women are not less than, right. they're just different. And so, you know, and again, I'm not a biologist and I don't know what she's, what yeah. she's arguing Neither from. Neither am I. I just read right? the, the But I, 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 I can imagine that socialization makes a big difference mm-hmm. up to yeah. a point. Right. Because we are, you know, through millennia, eons of evolution, men and women's bodies do kick in differently. Mm-hmm. Right? For evolutionary biological reasons. The problem is that we value them differently. We value the way you know, men kick into their mm. maturity and women kick into their maturity different. And to me, that's the problem. Mm. That's okay. what needs to that was So I, I'm actually going to push back a little bit because okay. yeah. I, I actually think um, there is a lot of credit to that, that argument where w- girls' bodies, we learn... I mean, Kelly just said earlier, she wasn't even allowed on a damn snowmobile. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like... At, she didn't at even age, have a chance. Right? She didn't even have a chance right. to, to, to hold. I don't, I don't know. Is it like um, um, whether it's a, a steering wheel or I don't even know how it manages. But you didn't even have the opportunity to, to quote unquote, develop those muscles. So we, we 
learn to we have to cross our legs we 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 have to um you know be poised we have to even our body language and how we have to enter a room enter a space have to um um you know sit when we're wearing a skirt um stockings our clothing is different our hair is different um so we have to walk through spaces differently um versus just I don't know if you know this uh, term called manspreading. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we live close enough to New York City. We know what the subways hey, are yeah. like. Okay. Ride the subways. Exactly. Subways exactly. and buses. Ride. I can't. Or an airplane or any space where you're sitting. Listen, I'm sitting and I paid 200, 300, whatever dollars mm-hmm. I spent for this airplane seat. Bro, you're you you get to to spread you don't get both armrests. Listen, you don't get both. You get one. You get one, and I get one. <laughs> but like, why why do you as a man and 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 I'm not, we are not going to get into biology here and say, well, we have something between our legs that needs <laughs> needs air and space. Well, you know what? I need air and I need space. <laughs> Our body parts need it too. And it's like, so we we traverse space differently from, from the beginning. So great was the anxiety about women's strength that our sacred text, while we have two creation stories, you don't hear the one so much about, and in God's image we were created male and female. The story you were told was always the one where the rib was taken from Adam. Mm. Life had to come from a man because women were the givers of life. What a power we would have if that was the valued strength. Mm. But they were so upset about it. They they took the ancient story that life came from Adam, not from, from, I mean, it's just a basic flaw in the very telling of our sacred text. Not that it's not there. We can't erase it. But there are certainly two stories. And and we might see that in the context of men's fear and the ancient tribal fears around women's power that existed even then. Like, even just being a football player, it's like, and I, I entered, you know, sports at a later stage in life. Or, or rather football specifically, um, because I just, we weren't allowed to play. So this opportunity came later in life. Um, and wait, you mean you want me to tackle her, take her down, mm-hmm. and and run full speed against her, use force, use... So I was suddenly, I had the license to, to do things that I typically don't do, and I'm not supposed to do, quote unquote, do right because that level of aggression and that level of of exertion and and just freedom just wasn't condoned Mm -hmm. so I think if girls were um just given the opportunity given the opportunity to to flex those muscles quote unquote and and operate in the space from the beginning the same as a boy Meaning being on that street with with mm-hmm. the the those the those yep, yeah. um, you would see more women showing up, mm-hmm. just as you would see them in the sciences mm-hmm. and in engineering and in those spaces, just like yeah. in sports. Yeah, I think encouragement from a very young age, um, mm-hmm. yeah, is is so key. And I loved your stories too um, of growing up playing <laughs> hockey, right? Yeah. yeah, I had an older brother who played, he's seven, I mean, I was really fortunate, so he was seven years older than me, and, but he, I mean, from my perspective, I know that he did hold back, but from my perspective, <laughs> he played as if I was the same age, you know, he had me playing with his, his buddies, and I could hang, so he, yeah. they, it was like, if they need an extra player, they always kind of <laughs> let me play, so I was very fortunate that my brother didn't care that I was a girl, or maybe didn't know that I was a girl, I don't know, but, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, um, uh-huh. and so, um, Basically, right when I was born, like, there's a home video of me in my walker, and he's playing mini sticks through my walker. Like, he's, and I, I'm his defenseman. And, and so uh, I was one of the fortunate ones that right from the very beginning, I was able to be in those spaces of getting to play, getting to do all these different things. And um, my brother's friends would knock me down, and, and so, and I would get up and go tackle them, and, and we'd play football in the yard. And so um, I was one of those fortunate ones. And growing up, I was, Oh, like people would, you know, co- afterwards now they tell, oh, great. Like we had the girl on our team, like she's going to be bad. But, and then I would 
I was able to sort of um, prove them wrong. <laughs> um, I was, you know, I was just, I was athletic and it was just sort of naturally came to me. Um, but then I hit that wall. So I don't know if this goes against what she's saying. Or I, don't, I, I played boys hockey all the way through peewees and I was always faster and, and, mm. and stronger and, and better. And then all of a sudden um, that all changed. Mm. <laughs> and, and so I sort of learned to accept that. Yeah. And in high school, um, I still trained with the boys. But, and even though I would train and I would eat and I would do all the things that are, are strength coach would tell us and um but it became Mm. like i all of a sudden i couldn't run as fast and i I couldn't lift as much and even though i'd see a kid eating crap for lunch and he didn't do and he would be out whatever like and he was and and i just couldn't and so i I don't know if that pushes back against the quote that you read i mean mean, it's only one case and who knows if it were a bigger story of like the just the dad and the numbers and it's one person's thesis as well so you know so i don't i don't know but but if, if other girls had the experience that I had of mm. just um, having an older brother or just having people who are just like, yeah, just go play, yeah. like scrape your knees and, and mm-hmm. like yeah. whatever. And, and what what would the story be without like, but also um, just self-confidence and mm-hmm. being willing to go into other fields that um, maybe aren't as like, aren't as many women. And, and so, um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's an interesting and I don't want to dismiss yeah. like the differences. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, no, like no. they're very real. And I, I appreciate like. You're saying it's there. Uh, what was it that you said? Um, they're different, and not one is better not or one stronger. superior right. and one inferior. Right. right. So I think that's where we're asking sort of humanity and culture mm-hmm. to have a bigger imagination. Yeah, yeah for sure. Then, then strength and speed is the only measure right. of ex- of athletic yeah. excellence. Right. But there's something you know, I there's, noticed because there's, there's so many other other things yeah. that go into it. There's yeah. coordination and agility right. and strategy and all of that mm-hmm. that goes yeah. into it. For sure. There was something I noticed, um, the, the difference between your games and NHL games um, is there's a, there's a sense of fluidity and um, a coordination that doesn't exist at the professional men's game. I, I see it at like younger ages, um, mostly because I think that there's that, that constant coaching of like work together as a team versus at a professional level, everybody's trying to mm. earn their contract. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. um, but something like that exists. Well, at your again, that, that sort of, that idea that, that, that women collaborate. Right. Oh yeah, right? absolutely. So, so what is a team, mm-hmm. right? It's collaboration. Yeah. It's knowing that, that I'm, I might need to sort of move my strength in a different direction so that my teammate mm-hmm. who's better positioned to do her thing can do her thing yeah. without worrying about you needing to be the one that scores. And yeah. I think that's a, that's something that um, is a bit hardwired mm-hmm. within women, even evolutionarily speaking mm-hmm. is hardwired in women. Yeah. We protect our, our community better when we work together mm-hmm. And I think that's something that kind of pushes against kind of the yeah. the uh, athletic narrative of of the biggest, the strongest, the star yeah. is the one that's most valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've got a, another question: um, How can equality exist inside a church when women are excluded from the very root of Christianity? For example, the Father, the Son. <laughs> The Holy Ghost. I know where it's going. Where are the Where are the women in this? <laughs> yeah. Well, can we talk about question. language? Okay. Mm, let's yeah, talk let's go about language. Let's go there. Let's talk about how language uh, comes out of a human context. Right. Mm. It comes out of a human experience uh, of a time and a place. Um, so does religion mm-hmm. come out of a context of a time and a place. They're both human constructs. They're trying to capture reality. They're trying to convey truth, right? But they are limited. Yeah. But what happens is, is when we, when we put language in the service of religion, we say it's not unlimited, right? It's eternal. It's true, right? That, that is, that's mm-hmm. bogus, right? It's still language, religion, theology, history is written by the winners, Right. So that's who gets to define what's what. So this masculine nature of God, which is all over the scripture, I will not deny it, was written by cultures for whom the only power brokers possible were male. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about God as the ultimate manifestation of power, the most powerful we can imagine, and I'd love to redefine power, but that's another (laughs) conversation process. Right. Um, But but if we're going to talk about what's the most powerful agent we know as an ancient community it's male it's an older male right it's a it's a land owning slave owning multiple wife owning male right that's what the culture presented as the the only vehicle for power 
was the masculine. So if you're going to choose language to describe ultimate power, you're going to choose male language. You're basically going to project what you see in the emperor or the tyrant onto this ultimate source of power in in the ancient mind, right? So when you're describing um, the Trinity or you're describing, you know, even Jesus used used the word Father, mm-hmm. when he's talking about God. What's interesting, though, is Jesus actually used the word Abba, which means daddy. Mm-hmm. All right? It's baby talk. Yeah. It is that. It, it reveals sort of this intimacy with a parent. That is not a masculine power dominant kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we can't deny that the scriptures are filled with masculine language and masculine imagery for God. But we have to acknowledge who wrote it. Yeah. And I think that's really, when I get into into conversations with folks who challenge uh, my legitimacy as a woman or who challenge my congregation's legitimacy as a significantly LGBTQ congregation, it always boils down to a a conflict over how we understand Scripture, right? So if you see Scripture as a human construct, you can get beyond the language, um, and so, and so, I think that that's the first step. Are you willing to reevaluate your understanding of Scripture? Mm-hmm. If you're not, we are stuck not only in a patriarchal world, but in a first-century hierarchical limited world. Mm-hmm. And you know that's not the way. You know the, that that's not the way. Even the most traditional churches operate. They do not want to go there. They do not want to go all the way back there. But you pick and choose, mm-hmm. and you pick and choose what remain what keeps you in power. You know, and so that's really sort of what happens within within the churches. And breaking through that takes a lot of education. It also takes exposure. You know, a lot of folks, once they, um, initially they see me and, and they're a little shocked. But then we start to talk and they start to see that I've done my work, right? I've done my scholarship. Uh, I've done my, my training. Um, I have as much of an authentic call to ministry as, as my beloved uncle you know, the priest had, just in a very different package. Um, I think exposure is really important. But it's very difficult in very traditional communities to let go of that authoritative nature as, of Scripture as divinely yeah. transmitted to humanity yeah. instead of being seen as the human telling of our quest yeah. for an experience of God. All right, so what's your favorite trinity that's not male? <laughs> so in the United Church of Christ, um, again, shameless plug, we use what God does instead of anthropomorphically describing God. So when I baptize a baby, I baptize that child in the name of God, the Creator, Christ, the Redeemer, and the Spirit, our strength. So we're talking about creating, redeeming, and sustaining. Why does it have to be anthropomorphized to reflect male hierarchy? It does not, you know. So it's breaking it out. It's breaking it out of that. You know, and I also love, and shout out to Richard Rohr, one of the most feminized, not feminized, I'm sorry, (laughs) feminist um, men out there, Mm -hmm. um, that he sees the Trinity in a very... Mm Uh, Greek, ancient Greek theological ways, perichoresis, yes. the dance, yeah. the dance of love between three entities. Mm. One is not on top, you know, the other one subject, all are participating in this dance. Yeah. And I think that's the breakthrough between Jacob's ladder and Sarah's circle, right? So the, the, the male sort of hierarchy climbing up and the women yeah. sort of joining hands, yeah. circling around. And again, it's... You know, why do we value one over the other? Can we just kind of see them both as as contributing mm-hmm. to the human experience? But we've so privileged one over the other, and we've just got to stop that. Yeah. Folks, you got to get a, get in this service on Sundays. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Tell us, where, where can we find you on Sundays? Where well, should we? Where, 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 1030 a.m. at 40 South Fullerton Avenue in Montclair, First Congregational Church, www.firstcogmontclair.org. <laughs> Find us on Facebook. There's your shameless plug. Shameless plug. So um, to kind of wrap things up, um, if we could go around the table and just um, share one thought of sort of hopefulness or a vision um, for women in your field, um, something you might uh, share with a young girl who is uh, anticipating or, or moving into that kind of environment where you are. Uh, something you would say or maybe something that you see taking place in the in the future and kind of, I guess, a 
prophetic way, although that's not how I would usually define prophecy, but yeah. Who was my coordinator last night? Was it Victoria, you said? Yeah, Vicky. Yeah. Vicky. Mm-hmm. Vicky gave me a word of hope last night. She mm-hmm. said, um, the young women are not tired. <laughs> they are not tired. The young women are educated in ways that past generations have not been. And she told me they are connected. This, this technology, they are connected. And I mm-hmm. found that to be the most hopeful thing that I've heard mm. thus far. Love it. You know, as I mentioned before, sometimes it feels like very small steps, mm-hmm. but they're real. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm here tonight, and I think that we can't forget to celebrate um, the times in which we uh, experience that, that real integration between who we are as women and what we do you know, and I, and I think that, you know, we've told stories tonight about ways that we either were told that we couldn't do something uh, because that we were women or ways that we acknowledged that we were included even as women and how powerful, you know, that that was for us. So I think that acknowledging and celebrating the times when we do step into our own and we are really uh, seen as, as you know, the, the leaders or the thinkers or the changers that we are. Um, and I'm, I'm so gratified to hear about, you know, what, what Vicki said last night, mm-hmm. um, because I do think that we are we are really on the cusp. And I think this current political situation is showing us that. Um, that we really are on a cusp of a watershed moment for the culture recognizing the gifts of women. And so I think it is sort of keep the faith and, and hang in there and recognize that um, breakthroughs do happen and that when we can celebrate them together, we gain sort of that, that strength and that, that um, energy for the next stage of the journey. Yeah. I really appreciate you saying that, Kelly, about not not being tired that they're not tired because sometimes I'm just I'm I'm obliterated um and that gives me strength and responsibility to kind of keep doing what I'm doing because what I'm doing is right and and necessary um I'm just thinking about one of the biggest reasons why I left my church was you know the lead pastor was doing a sermon um on Easter Sunday and it was a over an hour long service. And the only line that was etched into my memory was when he said this line, the one liner of throwing like a girl. Hmm. And he used um, sort of a very feminine um, degrading tone is like throwing like a girl. And, and actually the other um, pastor often did that when, imitating a woman's voice and it's like well if this is a leader of a, a thousands and thousands of you know, thousand person uh, congregation um it views women like that mm-hmm. as throwing like a girl and by the way always the company did this phenomenal like uh, you know marketing series i don't know if you see shelly's yeah. like nodding <laughs> of what throwing like a girl is and like throwing like a girl is strong yes. <laughs> And and fierce and amazing, um, so that gives me hope that that we we need to continue teaching and we need to continue educating. And mind you, I wrote my, that lead pastor an email <laughs> after the service. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. It, maybe it fell on deaf ears. Is actually is, but maybe it didn't because now that church today has, for the first time in its history, female uh, women pastors, mm-hmm. lead pastors. Yeah. Um, and it took a really long time for them to get there, but I'm really proud that they did. Um, and what I will say to all my girls out there is you can't win if you don't play. Hmm. And that's something that a mentor of mine told me a long time ago, um, that really helped me was I didn't see myself as a leader. I didn't see myself as capable, able, smart enough, strong enough, or X skill required to be in that, that space, right? Because those are the experts. Those are the smart people. Those are the strong people. You always see like them and then you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, heck, 
just go for it. <laughs> like, right. really? Right. What do you have to lose? Right. You go to a tryout and you don't make the cut. You you getting in there. So, um, and and to my boys out there, I say, remember, who's not there? Look around and say, oh snap, I forgot, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Own it, and now do something about it. Well said. <laughs> um, I guess I would say, um, I mean, in the realm of, of sports, but to girls who are playing, you know, playing for their high schools or, or colleges and, and, the fa- and the stands are empty and then there's a men's or boys game right after you and the stands are packed. Um, don't feel like you're less worthy um, because what you do is important, even though other people might not recognize it. Um, and as, you know, Playing professionally, our pr- playoff games were packed. We have we have fans coming through, getting autographs after every game, and um, there are supporters out there, even if they're not in your hometowns of mm-hmm. of Massachusetts or Minnesota or New Jersey <laughs> or whatever. Um, so, so if you love to play or love to do whatever it is that you do, keep doing it. Um, and I guess if it's a message to the boys out there, go watch your girlfriends or <laughs> play their sport and, and be excited for them when they're playing their sport. Um, even if maybe your buddies aren't going or get your buddies to go um, um, because the sport is just as incredible. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, with that, um, to a female future. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that about does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode, where I'll be joined once again by Vicky and Gail. In the meantime, I hope you'll take some time to listen to some of our previous episodes, if you haven't already, and swing by don'trepeatthispodcast.com, where you can send us messages, leave comments on episodes, and even choose which app you'd like to subscribe to us on. And be sure to hit us up on social media as well. We'd love to get your thoughts and feedback on the show. We're at Don't Repeat This Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Don't Repeat Pod on Twitter. Once again, on behalf of my co-hosts, Gail and Vicky, I'm Nate, and this has been Don't Repeat This, so maybe don't repeat this stuff at the dinner table.